uh, what I'd like to do tonight, um, I thought about doing some of the stuff we've done in the class on Wednesday night, but then I thought about the fact that those who are in here who've been in that class would probably be tired of hearing me repeat it. So what I'd like to do tonight, this is going to be kind of in a Devo-style fashion, uh, but we want to reflect on a few things, a few verses, and make some connections, okay? And, and, look, and look at a passage of Scripture that uh, we often look at with great magnitude because, because of just, just how simple it may look, but the depth that's behind the words that we're going to look at tonight. And I think it's important for us to look at this from, a, from an aspect of not only who was being described when these two words were mentioned, but how they apply to us and how we can grow from them. Today at lunch, uh, Lexi's got a birthday, uh, and we were sitting there talking. I was talking to Danny about the fact that how in the world a teenager, I look back at my life, and how could I make the decision on what I wanted to be when I grew up at such a young age? That's such a huge decision. I mean, we're defining what we're going to do the rest of our life at the age of 18. And uh, man, time flies, doesn't it? And some of y'all's uh, kids have, have grown up and had kids of their own. Uh, mine's fixing to leave the nest and uh, soon, sooner than I thought. But at the end of the day, we, we look at who we are, what we are, what defines us, Right? Who are we as a people? Who am I as a person? How do people perceive Travis? And, and what kind of light do I share as far as the world goes? And we've talked about these things on Wednesday night and these attributes of what the church is, the makeup of the church. And all of these things blend with one another. And it's important that we understand that. That God's word is in harmony with itself and that one thing that's preached is in harmony with something else that's preached. And together they define and make this picture of what is Christ Jesus and what is this plan that he's had for us. So when we think about these things of who, who am I or who, you know, what am I or what I'm going to be or who you are and what you are. You know, we think about these things as, as, as when we were young and, and, and we contemplate them and a lot of times we really struggle with them. We really try to struggle trying to figure out what, what am I supposed to be doing here on this earth, right? And, and, and what am I supposed to be as far as a part of an occupation and a job and how am I supposed to fit in? And these are, these are big deals. Uh, and and, and I, rem I remember in college, I had the hardest time. I had so many, so many likes and things that I love to do and trying to figure out what in the world am I going to end up doing the rest of my life. We, we, we think about that and we think about that Travis is I am. Okay, there's the two words we're going to look at tonight. Travis's I am is a lot different than Donnie's I am, isn't it? What I am to the body, what he is to the body, right? What Thomas is to the body, what Joe is to the body. His I am is different. And we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 17 through 20, it says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Let's, let's pay attention there. As he chose, if all were single members, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but guess what? There's one body. When we look at ourselves and how we fit into this picture of the church and what Travis is, what I am, what you are, and how God has fit these things together in such a wonderful fashion, the dynamics of the church, right? The love that we have for one another that bonds us, that being Christ Jesus. We, we're often reminded of the first appearance of this word I am in Exodus. And, and, and we remember back in Exodus 3, if you want to turn there, it's Exodus 3, 
13 through 15, and it says this. It says, Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? The God, said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, and this is important, okay? Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. We don't have the time tonight to try to dissect what those two words mean because I believe that is a study that will, could take years to try to figure out what exactly all the dynamics of the words I am. But I do know that God is trying to describe himself to a world. And he's not just doing it through the words I am. He's doing it through his people. That was the children of Israel. And the whole purpose of the children of Israel was to be a light, according to Isaiah, right? To be a light into the world. To tell people who God was. What he was about. And why he was better than all the other gods. And when we think about these things, we think about the word I am. God is telling us who he is. So what better way of saying it than tell them I am. I, I am? I am the beginning. I am the end. I am everything you see. I am creation. I am the air that you breathe. I am the life that you're given the next day. All of these things make up the words I am. But perhaps there's more, more to this. And this is what I want us to look at tonight. Perhaps there's more to the fact that how do I take the words I am from God that was mentioned in Exodus, and how do, they, how do they apply to Travis today? How do they apply to you, right? So when, when we look at ourselves in the world, we talked about this in class Wednesday night, uh, sometimes we're really preoccupied about what people think of us, aren't we? Aren't we? About what, how do people think about the suit I got on? How do, what about my car? My house? Right? We're worried about all of these things. These things that Paul would call things of the flesh that we'd, we'd probably better off doing away with. But our pride and our selfishness gets in the way, doesn't it? And, and the devil likes to play the games with, well, my car's better than your car, and I've got this thing that looks better than your thing, and then the world wants us to believe this way. And so when we start looking at I am from a world's perspective, we start seeing that it doesn't really mesh well with God's perspective of what I am is. When God said I am, there are attributes that he portrayed to his people one of love, one of commitment, one of unity, right? And in these things, his people were supposed to demonstrate them as well. Now, what do people think about you? How do people, how do people view you? And I've said this in a prior sermon that I've done up here, is I hope that people see that God is living in me. I hope that my kids love me. I hope that people see that I'm a good husband. I hope that they see, you see that I'm a good brother in Christ. I hope you see that I would do anything for you. And I would give you the shirt off my back if you asked. And these are the things that Christ said and he lived. And, and I would hope that you would have the same outlook towards me. And what, so when we look at these attributes, and, and we look at John, and, and Wes is probably going to go into all of these in great more detail than we are tonight. But we look at John in chapter 635. Jesus says what? I am the bread of life. These are a bunch of I am's that John's going to spit off, okay? I am the bread of life. Now, man, we could make sermons on all of these. Bread could go back to the manna in Egypt, remember? Or the, uh, in the wilderness. God provided the manna for the, for the people in the wilderness. 
What was that for? Well, to have dependence on God. So we look at here. Jesus is the bread. And only through Him will we have eternity. We look at 8.12, John 8.12. I am the light of the world. Right? John 10.7, it says, I am the door of the sheep. John 10.11 says, I am the good shepherd. John 11.25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15.1 says, I am the true vine. And one that you're probably, at least for me, stood out the most, and it should have been for you, because it certainly did for the Jews. John 8, 5, 58 through 59. Turn there with me real quick. John 8, 58 through 59. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, what? I am. What does 59 say? It says they picked up the stones to throw at him. They wanted to kill him right there. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Right there. The connection between him and God. They hated him for it. They hated him for it. But he was literally God in the flesh. 100% God. 100% man. Go read Hebrews if you wanted to understand the dynamics of all that. But at the end of the day, he suffered for us. Right? And at the end of the day, he represented the attributes that God was representing through Israel in the Old Testament when he says, I am who I am. The attributes never changed. The love was there. The commitment was there. All of these things were there from the beginning of time. And if you go back and look at your Bibles, the Wednesday night class is fully aware that from the beginning of time, God wanted to dwell with us. And he made it known in every aspect of what he did. The tabernacle, the Garden of Eden. All of these things, God tried to dwell among His people, but they, for lack of a better word, they spit in His face over and over. And we see that God tried to, tried to show them how to live, how to be as Christians, so to speak. Right? Or His people. But yet, they, but yet at the end of the day, they spit in His face, and we have that representation as we've been discussing, discussing about the bride and how the bride treated the groom in the Old Testament. But when we look at these things, and we look at the love of God, the love of God that God has for us, it's a love not of feelings, but of commitment, right? The one we talked about, and even Mike did during the gospel meeting, of this picture of a bride. The, uh, talking about a husband and a wife, this is the type of love we're talking about. One of, of a serious commitment. Paul would say that the grace abounds within him, right, from, or with God, from God. And because of this grace, because of the love that God had for him, he was going to work harder than everybody. And he made it a point to do so. And if, we, if, you, go, if you took the time to go back and read that, it, you had the long laundry list of the things that happened to Paul, right? So as we think about these things, and as we think about what I am, and what Christ left for us, and how you fit into the puzzle of the church, we were a part of God's plan when he says, tell them I am who I am. Are you not the body of Christ? Am I not the part of the body of Christ? Is Christ not the head? Is Christ not one with his Father? And one with the Spirit? So when God was describing himself, he was not only describing himself as being the creator and maker of all things, he was describing his people. And what he would hope for his people to have displayed. 
And as we say, I am, and as Jesus said, I am, we, we are not stand, he was not standing on an island. He was, he was saying that for the body that he was fixing to die for and leave behind. And as we said on Wednesday night class, we are the face of Christ. Whether you want to like it or not, you're the face of Christ. And how you act and how I act displays what the church is and who Christ is. It's, it's quite interesting, and, and, and maybe, we need to look at, maybe we need to look at this in a mirror. Maybe we need to take the words, I am, and, I know, and look, I know they're going to say, after, after the sermon, you're going to say, Travis, if you hold something up in a mirror, it's not only backwards, but the, words are back, the letters are backwards. Just, just work with me, okay? Work with me. But maybe we're looking at this backwards. And, and, and in fact, there is a mirror mentioned in the Bible. Some of you already know where I'm going, Right? James 1, 22 through 25 says what? But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a like a man who is, looks intently at his natural face in a what? A mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and per perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who does what? Acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Well, man, if we hold it up to a mirror, that word I am turns into what? Am I? Am I loving my God and my brethren with commitment? Am I sacrificing for the church in Christ and how I live? Am I treating my spouse as Ephesians 5 describes? Am I stepping up to help the church when in need? Am I using my talents? Am I trying to facilitate fellowship, unity within the bottle, by body? Am I studying God's Word and trying to grow from it and not just reading it? Am I humble? Am I in love with God as He has been in love with me from the beginning of time? And here's the last one. Am I getting the big picture? Because if you miss the big picture, guys, you've missed everything. Ask any of the elders. This is the stuff. We, I, we hear it all the time in the elders meeting. The big picture. Am I right, guys? There's a big picture that's bigger than me and it's bigger than you, but it takes you and me. God designed it this way. And we think about the words that Paul speaks. I want us to pay attention, and this is the close of the sermon here pretty soon. The words that Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 11, 21 through 29, and I, I was, this was really interesting because I really never thought about the word I am or am I in, in these passages. But let's, let's listen to the words of Paul here as we start to close the sermon. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? Guess what? So am I. Are they Israelites? Guess what? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? Guess what? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am the better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, five times I received the rod, excuse me, yeah, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with the rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was drifted at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robberies, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights 
and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me and my anxiety, and this is the saddest part to me, my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, I am not weak. Who is made to fall, I am not indignant. How can Paul say this? Because Paul, who lived the life of looking at himself, am I? Paul knew he was not worthy of salvation. He knew he did not deserve the grace that he was given. He knew it, guys. He knew it to the point of where it drove him to writing this passage. It drove him to dealing with all of these things. And how did he sustain these things? How did he sustain himself? Because God said, I am. He was the maker, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer. And only because of Him can a man endure all these things and live to still praise God. Because He understood at the end of the day what I am meant, meant to Him as being a part of the church. And what it meant to say that am I living up to what God wants? Are you living up to what God wants? And that's the question we need to think about tonight, brethren, is, 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 is from the standpoint is am I being what I should be for the church? Am I being what I should be for my brothers and sisters and for God? Am I giving my all? Paul's a high figure to live up to. I mean, we understand that. But he's a, he's a man. He, he was a man. All, all these things, Paul, at the, end of, at the end of the passage, Paul is saying, I am his. Is he not? At the end of that passage, literally Paul is saying, I am His. And because I am His, I will die for Him. Because He died for me. Brethren, that's the message. And if, if you're here tonight and, and, and you cannot stand here and say, I am a Christian, I am in God's family, I am a part of the body, then you need to make it right tonight. But maybe you are a Christian and maybe you're not doing right, and maybe you need to be thinking about, am I? Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I, am, I, am I living how I should live? Am I being the example to others? Am I being the light that Jesus said that He was? Now's the time to make that right tonight as together we stand and sing.